Eight years ago, three nerds created a little independent wrestling podcast that could, but over time, that podcast has grown into not just covering wrestling, but all things under the nerd rainbow. From Marvel to the Muppets, from Frank Sinatra to Count Chocula, from Mickey Mouse to CM Punk. Now, here is some combination of Chad, Zach, and Luna as we welcome you to the IndyCast. All nerd, all the time, exclusively on the WNR. It's astounding. Time is fleeting. I don't know why I expected anything. Madness <laughs> takes control. Ladies and gentlemen, guys, gals, non-binary pals, welcome once again to the IndyCast. Chad Allen, Zach Romero here once again with the fancy setup uh, in IndyCast HQ. Zach, how you doing, bud? Uh, not too bad, not too bad. Huh. Uh, so, as to anyone who missed our, our discussion last episode... First off, how dare you? Yeah, come on now. That was a good one. Right. <laughs> There'd be some that we wouldn't say it's okay to miss. But yeah. That was a good one. I can tell you but some of those are, but you can go through a list. You've got eight <laughs> years worth of ones. They're like, no, you could probably skip, skip that one. Skip that whole season, really. Uh, anyway, um, no, but last episode we talked about how one of the newer releases to Brainbuster Video, just in time for Spooky Empire, which will be happening in maybe two days from now, from yep. when this comes out, uh, I've been putting together uh, Rocky Horror... Uh, shock treatment double feature on VHS. Picture show. Yes. In the I back guess. row. Oh, I should have thrown that. Well, oh. Uh, is this the whole episode? Uh, maybe. I could just. You're going you're gonna to spike here on the, on the mic? I can, I can do it. Am I spiking on the mic? A little bit. Okay. Uh, I will back up so no, I don't no, spike no. on I the mean, mic. spiking as in you're being Rain Man and you can't look oh. the lyrics. Oh, no. I, I've, done, I've done this play before, so I like. <laughs> I know all the call lines and everything. Uh, I, but anyway, so we were bringing that up that. Okay. Because I will tell you that in my previous experience with Rocky Horror, I was not particularly on board with this. Okay. Um, I will tell you there was, I definitely did a review of it, a very snide, like, douchey review of, of it. Of course. Horrible Horrors back in the college days. Oh. But it, I think it might have been online for maybe 10 minutes. Was that, like... Fox completely... Was that, like, clean-shaven, curly, curly... Uh, before then, that was, like... Shaggy from Scooby Doo goatee. Oh, okay. Slightly smaller glasses. That wasn't the curly, curly mustache Zach. That's curly the... mustache Zach would have been slightly post dropping out of college. Okay. But but I will tell you right now what my previous experience is with Rocky Horror. Okay. Okay. You were in a shadow cast and no, you played Magenta. I, I would have killed Magenta. <laughs> you, Don't you tell me different. You would make a great Magenta. Uh, no, actually. So so first of all, everyone, it would be very like theater-heavy episode. Yes. Uh, so, let's go back a little bit. Pre-college, I've been doing theater for two years now. Okay. I jumped on in junior year because every single coach that I had in football individually asked me if I had given theater a try, <laughs> um, which is not a great sign. Right. And so, uh, in joining theater, there is also, in school, for those who don't know, there is like a societal club in theater. Yes. You can join the thespians. The thespians, of which I'm a lifetime member. I'm sure you probably are as well. As well. <clears throat> now, in order for that to happen, it, it, different, it differences by schools. It, it's different. So you may go to a school that has a theater program, and in order to be a thespian, you just like fill out some paperwork. Right. But 
pieces. There's a slightly more dramatic approach, let's say. Of course. And so, for my school, this was like a lame theater version of, like, fraternity hazing. Really? Yeah. See, I just had to fill out paperwork. So. Oh, this was like fraternity hazing. What? So, hold Okay, so what... What in what is involved in the thespian theater hazing here? So the, is this like an episode of Glee? This predated Glee, but it's very right. Glee-esque. Okay. In all the worst ways. So the official setup for that, which I'm going to describe this to you, and you're going to go, how in the hell was this okay? Right. And the answer is I don't know. But what it all resulted in, in order to qualify to become a thespian, was... You would be assigned, like a, you call it like a mentor, but really right. it's a fraternity person, house mom or yeah. whatever. Not even that. You would be like the actual fraternity, it, as in here are all the freshmen and they're all stooges, and right. here's the upperclassmen, and they each get assigned a stooge and blah, blah, blah. right. So you'd same thing. So. I'll be here because we're doing a wrestling podcast. I will wrestling this a little bit. So you're the you were the young boy yes. for the okay, perfect. Yes. So and so each young boy would be assigned a character from a musical, a play, or a Disney film. Okay. And for one day, which was like Thespian Day, right? You were pulled out of all of your classes and you went around. You were paraded around by uh, because you were a green boy, and you had to be in gimmick all day, which meant some classes elected, like they had a little sign on the door that was like, thespians welcome, that you could interrupt a class, drag your underclassmen in, and be like, now sing, monkey, and then they would have to go up and do whatever their song and dance was. If it was a dramatic scene, if it was a song, whatever. They'd have to perform in front of this class of people who like, who's this nerd that just came in? Right. And you had to stick with your gimmick all day. And they had like demerits. They had they like kept track. It was just a huge, you let dorks rule for a, a tiny niche thing. Right. And they completely abused that power. Of course. That's what this all was. So that was the official thing was thespian day. You're pulled out of class. You're going around just really, let's be honest, gaying it up pretty hard. And that was on paper. That was like the official thing. Right. The lead up to it, which was not official. Of course. Was like the entire thespian class of that year would all be like staying at like one person's house the night before in order to do nothing but prep. So you have everyone sleep deprived. You've got these like high school children breaking down into tears like... There's questionable motivation, as in like, how bad do you want this? Like, it was a whole thing. Like, I'm not that I'm bad anymore. Now, I'm realizing now. I'm about to put my whole, whole class in one class. I'm going to explain that this was not the intent of this episode. The, the intent of this episode. Let me get. No, it's the intent now. The, no, it's, the, let's the, the let's finish intent, this. The original intent was going to be they made us do the time warp like 15 times in a row. Right. And I hate, and that was my first introduction to the time warp, and I hated it because of that. Right. Because again, when you have a, a a femme drill sergeant yelling at you that you're not doing the time warp correctly, right, and you're on number thirteen of fifteen times, 
the novelty of that song begins to wear off. Right. And so that was my first introduction to Rocky Horror was that, let's be honest, abusive moment. Right. And so I already had sort of a grudge against you've, that. Already. You've kind of got PTSD from the time warp just from this thing, it sounds like. Also having to pretend that I'm bacon. That was also... <laughs> Like cooking bacon, you had to like... No, no, as in, uh, that is far too uh, nice. As in, okay, scum, all of the newbies, all the green boys, lay down on the stage and now squiggle your whole body. Yeah. Because you're pretending to be bacon. Yeah, cooking bacon. Yeah, you have to do the the wiggle of the... I, do you ever do that? I'm sure that, that no, but spent ten seconds thinking about it. You're like, this is what a high school kid. Would come yeah, up. no, that's exactly what it was. It's just like I know what a high school jerk would come up with, and so, especially theater jerks. Like, so again, was not intending to put my entire high school life on blast. Well, it's not like you said your high school name officially. No, if you'd like to, this would be a wonderful time to throw that the out there. Let me let me finish with this. Yes, and then of course the grand reveal. So sleep deprived. Right. Dragging these kids through eight hours of school, singing and dancing the same songs. Right. For a bunch of kids who don't care. Right. Who are like just creating more things to bully you about. That's like that's like whenever they used to do the teasers in my high school. They would legitimately have everybody show up to the auditorium to sit and watch you do scenes from the show. Oof. And those people could give two shits and a fuck about anything that you're doing up there for the most part. So, so. sleep deprived. Verbally abused, and the apex of it is now it's after school. School's over. Right. You're in the auditorium. This isn't even done yet. We're like we're done with school, and the torture still continues. They would blindfold us, and then one by one would bring each of these wannabe thespians, all these green boys, one by one into the auditorium would like turn you around all that stuff they have like terrifying music playing they drag you onto the stage they rip the blindfold off they step back you're alone on the stage it's pitch black in the auditorium you're in your boxers and then they turn on the spotlight and it's just you and a microphone on the stage and that's it and then this voice with some kind of voice changer from beyond Asks you some questions, and yada, yada, yada. And, of course, the final question is, in one word, why do you feel you need to be a thespian? And you would see kids go up there, and they would be like, acceptance, or drama, or more often you would see, well, I think, and then boo, because it's supposed to be one word. One word, right. Me. Right. Uh, spun around, blindfold off, choom, big spotlight, whatever. I want to say one of the questions was like, what's today's date? And I was like, I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on or who I am. I, I have a brief question here. Is this where the final two questions came from? I feel like this is where no, the final two. Okay. Yes. When they asked that third question of why did I feel like I needed to be a thespian, what was the word that I chose? 
I'm going to hate myself when you tell me because it's going to be so obvious. It'll That's be some. Obvious. It's going to be a very Zach Romero type of thing, and I'm going to go. Of course it is. So what? What was it? It's terrifying music and. Yeah, did you go to Saw High School, by the way? What the fuck? Did they roll out a little puppet on a tricycle during all of this? Holy shit. I'm taking too long to answer the third question. I can feel them like they're reaching to drag me off the stage because it happened a couple times, too. If you couldn't come up with an answer, they'd give you the, the, the hook like you're performing at the Apollo. Did you enter Sheets? Was that yes. it? Okay. So, you know, they ask, why do I feel like I need to be a thespian? It's like, And I leaned to the microphone and I said, penis. And they all lost their minds. Yeah. Huge, huge round of applause as I get dragged off the stage. Now, here's the great reveal. The tears, the abuse, the sleep deprivation, the being pulled out of class for some reason. Chad already let the cat out of the Nobody gets turned down to be a thespian. Right. If you want in, you're in. Yeah. So all of this bullshit and all this like, well, I don't know if you've got what it takes. You may not make it. Is all bullshit. Mm-hmm. Because the reality is, they were we were all in already. Right. And so they try to make that a good reveal, like, just kidding, you're all in. But even then, it was very, like, these kids are broken. Right. Nobody's like, hooray! Everyone's like, are you? And that was my, my reaction was immediate anger. Yeah, as, as, well, like, it, oh, as well it should be. What a whimsical thing we've gone through. I was like, so you basically waterboarded me for three days. Right. Just to tell me, tee-hee, you're already part of the Burger King Kids Club. <laughs> Which, like, <laughs> Kids Club was the friends we made along the way. But the funny part is... This is something that I guarantee at your school has been happening for years. This is totally the, like this is totally the movie Dazed and Confused. This is the beginning of Dazed and Confused right now. That these freshmen are getting paddled simply because well, I got paddled when I was a freshman, so we have to do well, that to you now too. I'm I sure of it. During it, of like oh, five, when I was a freshman, we had to run two miles before right. we got that. that, that. Now, before we get into Rocky Horror here, I have to know, and I'm sure our dozens and dozens are wondering this too, what was your character? What did you get dragged out to do every time? What what did you get stuck with? Which, again, contributed to my anger in this. Right. Before I give my answer, uh-huh. and, don't, and you don't have to give me anything specific. Don't feel like you're on the spot where you have to pick out a character for me. Okay. But well, let me ask you this. Was it Disney? Did you get a Disney character? Okay, so... The, but it was close enough. Close enough, okay. So, you know me well enough. Right. We've been friends for nearly a decade now. Yeah. Maybe a decade. I don't it know. is a decade. I think it is a decade now, because we're about nine years for the show, so... so you know me well. Mm-hmm. If you had to pick a type of character for me in this situation, knowing me... Right. What kind of a character would you pick? Probably any character I would play, I would probably cast you into. You and me, I think, would be competing for a lot of the same, like, um, neither of us are necessarily the lead. Mm -hmm. We're always those, like, funny supporting side characters here. And I think that's where you and me, where our, our, uh, we we kind of fell in that one. Okay. That makes logical sense. Right. But, (laughs) yeah, however. That infuriated me. 
Really? I wanted the, because again, keep in mind, folks at home, I'm under the impression that this is a big goddamn deal. Right. And that there is not a 100% success rate. Right. So like, I may not make it in if I don't do this right. Right. So for me, I'm like, give me something that is really going to stretch me. Oh, so you had them go give like. Give me Jekyll and Hyde. Give me Sweeney Todd. Give me fucking Macbeth. I don't give a shit. Like, give me something that is not going to play to my strength. So you're trying to go like so complete show other direction. Okay. Right. And deserve to be in this thespian society. Don't give me fucking make them laugh. Right. Or fucking sing them the rain. Because uh, that's me already. Right. So that being said. Now, of course, I didn't have any input. Right. I couldn't go on that soapbox. I just had to take what I got. Okay, so... This is 2005-ish? Okay. 2006-ish? So you're saying not Disney, but close enough. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm confu- I'm lost. I'm interested to know. the cat in the hat from Seussical the Musical. Oh, God. Okay. Oof. And I don't, I'm not a great singer, so, like, not great. Right. I'm not, not working to my strength, just kind of trying, just being a butthole right. for a day, basically. So I was pretty pissed about that. Right. And then you've got my first time experiencing anything Rocky Horror related is doing the time warp. 15, 15 times, times in a row. Uh, and then the, the word uh, that I felt like I, I needed to express on why. Because at that point, I'll be completely honest with you. By the time the weird cult stuff came in, right, I was already sure that I wasn't making it. Right, I'm like I've already been snide enough and have clearly shown my disdain, and I look like goddamn. Um, <laughs> I looked like what's his nuts from the end of Full Metal Jacket by the end of it. Oh, like, go, uh, Private Pile. Yeah, I look like Private Pile, but I'm just mean mugging everyone. Right. Like, because I'm seeing kids my age crying, breaking down into real tears. Right. Because, like, they don't even know what the fuck's going on. Jesus. Uh, so I was pretty pissed. And so Man, ever thank, since then... Thank God my theater company wasn't... My theater department wasn't like this in high school. Holy shit. So I was uh, already coming to Rocky Horror pretty negative. Right. Um, well, I could see why when, in, when like... And it's like the. Uh, I had to go through the Ludovico treatment, like it was clockwork orange. Right, or like, or like you're freaking Muammar Gaddafi, and they're playing Van Halen's "Jump" over and over again at like full volume, or Panama, whatever they used to, whatever they played to get him to come out. That's what, what you're. Tell me he didn't pop his head out and go. That's a pretty good solo. Yeah, no, right, no. So. So yeah, wasn't a huge fan of Rocky Horror, um, and so. Looking back at the review that I did in college, because I want to say, I think it was a request somebody did. Okay. Somebody wanted. And uh, the review itself hasn't aged well. God, I, I wish we could jokes. find this review. I make some jokes in that that I remember that I'm like, I have a knack over right now. Right. Um, but long story short, you know, the, the my main issues were, hey, the story kind of falls apart narratively this is a whole lot of nothing. Right. Uh, which, now that I've watched it a dozen times <laughs> making tapes, um, I understand it a lot more. And interestingly enough, and we actually talked about this before the recording, um, 
sitting through some of shock treatment has made things make a lot more sense to me. Okay. Um, See, now I have not seen shock treatment. I'll, I'll, so. I'll talk about that in a minute, but I but that has kind of tied things up. And I actually was looking up old reviews of the time right. to kind of see what people were saying. And I found something that Roger Ebert said about shock treatment <laughs> that actually <coughs> made a lot of things make sense, not just about Rocky Horror, but about a lot of movies that I like. Okay. So very interesting. So I'll talk about that in a minute, but I want to hear about your experience with Rocky Horror. So I, I seem to remember at some point seeing the movie forever ago, watching it and going, I don't get what the big deal is. But I watched it like I put in a DVD and watched mm-hmm. it like by myself or maybe with one other person. Mm-hmm. Um, I have learned in time, both by going to midnight showings right. and um, doing the show itself as a theatrical production with my theater company, Landless Theater, uh, back home in D.C. They are still doing shows. So if you're in the D.C. area, go look up Landless Theater Company. I'll put them over right now. Um, uh, but um, doing Rocky Horror as a, as a play and being able to get the, the audience reaction from it, because we were very big on, like, no, no, here, we're, we're going to sell you the bag. We're going to, like, you can throw your cards. You can do everything. Don't bring toast. Don't be assholes. That's, right. But, like, having that experience of it, when you get the group experience of it, it suddenly makes more sense. Like, okay, it, it's something about that group dynamic of being in there and almost, like, Mystery Science Theater 3000, it before before Mystery Science Theater 3000 was a thing, um, Adds to it, but I think that's it. I have watched. Now I'm a psychopath, so I'll watch Mystery Science Theater by myself and and have a grand old time. Right. But I know for a fact that if you're going to sell Mystery Science Theater to somebody, you need to watch it in a group setting. Yeah. Because it just it just reads better that way. Well, and I figured out in time here, like, and you know where I've really discovered that's absolutely true is. The episodes of Riff Tracks, which is, you know, obviously an offshoot of Mystery Science Theater, that that I love the most and the ones that I will stop and watch every time are the ones where they're in the the live theater, when they're doing it live. Like, I'll watch some of the ones when it's not the the live episodes, but the live episodes, if I I turn on, like, um, Pluto or or something like that, and they've got a live, they've got one of the live episodes going on for, like, you know. Yeah, I'm stopped. I'll gladly watch a good chunk of that just because... It makes a difference with the with the reaction from everybody, with having that communal experience. And you know, another movie that I had never seen before that I did see in a communal experience like that because um, was it Fathom that does the movie yeah, event yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. We'll do like that specialty showing. They they did a specialty showing of um, the room. I had never sat down and watched the room before. First time I ever saw it in a movie theater with people like doing all the the chants and throwing spoons at the screen and we, all sorts of stuff saw, like I that. Think we talked about it on the show before, like many years ago, but we saw we went to a, an exclusive viewing of the room. Amazing. With Greg Sestero, who plays Mark. Yes. Because he was um, this was right before the disaster artist got made as a movie. Yeah. But he had already written the book. So he was kind of doing like a book tour signing kind of Sure. And so we got to meet him, shake his hand, blah blah blah. We didn't know that the audience for this showing... Now, this wasn't in a theater, by the way. Right. This is in, like, Snapper's Comedy Club in Clearwater. So Amazing. Like on a projector right. against a wall. Uh, but we weren't aware that that audience was going to be a Rocky Horror. 
Cars. You didn't. Oh, see so that. And they're like, oh, this is kind of fun. And they know all the words to the terrible R&B slow jams. Yeah. And they're throwing spoons and they're doing chants and all this other shit. And we're like, oh. it was such a humbling experience to to go like, oh, these are the real psychopaths. We thought right. we were nuts for this movie. Right. We have been outclassed here. These Absolutely. Like a better form of criminal compared to us. So, um, but I agree. A lot easier to sell somebody on the room if it's in a group setting. Right. If it's like a party or something. You're like, oh, let's all watch this. Like, way, way better to sell that than to just be like, here, take this DVD, go watch it at home. Right. And just fall into a fever dream. And I'll be honest, this is one of those things where, to kind of tie it back to what the show normally is, this is pro wrestling too. Mm. This is definitely pro wrestling right now is what kind of what we're talking about for Rocky and for stuff like that, that yeah, I can sit down and show somebody, you know, you know, the Bray Wyatt's return from, mm. from, you know, the last show or something on TV. And yeah, that'll look cool and stuff. But like, if you can bring them to a live show, whether it be indie raw, AEW, whatever, you're going to have a better chance of drawing it on. Cause like, I brought my girlfriend not that long ago to the first live wrestling show she'd ever been to. And she's like, yeah, I've watched wrestling before. It's all right. And I get the same answer I get from everybody. Oh, I remember when like Stone Cold was a thing. Cause that's like that's the, the typical answer. Yeah, but I brought her, brought her to an independent wrestling show and she walked out of there. Like that was great. When's the next one we're going to? So like, and now do I think she's going to be buying like t-shirts and stuff like that? No, probably not. Yeah, yeah, but like, yeah, I know. Give it time. But like now there's at least a kernel of interest that like, Oh no, that was fun. We should definitely do that again. And that's the same for Rocky. And that's the same for stuff like that. So that's, that's why I ultimately love it now. But like um, to, to set up for the show, I legitimately sat down and watched, brought out my DVD because I own Rocky horror on DVD. Yeah. I brought it out and I sat down and watched it and I couldn't keep my attention attention when I wasn't like if I'm not in the group setting though admittedly a point like I'm keeping myself interested just because now I'm like doing all the audience stuff like every time Brad Majors come up it's like asshole and it's like but I'm like I'm the only one in the room so it's starts this just become a little psychotic after a while when you're doing it that way right exactly it's what it felt like yeah I can at least throw toast here I'm allowed to do that here so so that's what I want to talk about here. yeah is is really kind of looking at Rocky Horror as both a film, as a phenomenon, and why it works. Right. And why it doesn't. Because I think we're both saying the same thing. Yeah. As a, I don't, as a stage play shaky, as a film, very shaky. Oh, God, yeah. Like, and I will say the performances are fantastic, and the songs are bangers. Yeah. There's a lot of really great songs in them. Oh, Time Warps, We Transvestite. I even like Hot Patootie. I like, like Meatloaf's song. I think yeah. that's great. Um, Eddie's Teddy, uh, because I did, I played the, Dr. Yes, Scott. Yes. So, of course, I love Eddie's Teddy. But the, um, So, the, the songs themselves are fine. And it's almost like, there was no way you could have done this. But if you could have almost framed the Rocky Horror movie almost as like a series of vignettes and not expected to have a narrative. Right. I feel like you could have gotten a lot more out of it. Possibly. Because, basically, as soon as you get some of the better songs out of the way, then the movie kind of just falls apart. They're right. Because like, it's like, we, you know, uh, Dr. Frankenfurter has, in 2022, semi-sexually assaulted two people. Right. Uh, I don't know if it's, well, yeah, I guess semi, because yeah. 
Brad definitely is like Brad goes all in. Janet, not so much. Right. Um, and everyone's basically pissed off at him. Right. Like, Janet's mad. Brad's mad. Dr. Scott's mad. Right. Rocky's mad. Columbia's mad. Right. And so the solution that the film presents right. is everybody pauses, literally. Yes. And then, mm, I don't know, jump cut to a different scene. And now everyone's basically dressed cosplaying as Frankenfurter. Right. And they do a big song. In a, in a, in pool, a pool for some reason. And then they're kind of like, you know what? This Frankenfurter character is actually pretty cool. Right. And uh, they kind of, you know, he opened up my mind palace or whatever. And now, you know, well, basically. They opened up a lot more than a mind palace. Right. That's true. But, like, that's kind of everyone's shtick. Like, right. Rocky, Janet, Brad, they all kind of sing that of just like, hey, let's not worry about how we got here. Yeah. Point is. Maybe this wasn't so bad after yeah, all. we'll give him a gimme on it. Right. And then Riff Raff and Magenta turn out, oh, no, we're actually pissed. We're, we're still pissed. By Rocky the way, spoil, spoiler alerts if you've never seen Rocky Horror. like a 50-year-old <laughs> right. musical that is a pop cultural, like, phenomenon. Right. Yeah, like, sorry if you're not aware. Right. Um, but Riff Raff and Magenta are still pissed. They kill Frankenfurter. They let everybody go. And then they just like. Well, they kill Frankenfurter, they kill Rocky. They kill Rocky, true. Right. But Dr. Scott, Brad, Janet, all boogie. Whatever. Ha- Do we ever know what happened to. Um, not Magenta, but. Why did I just Columbia. complete Columbia? What did we- she dies. Uh, because. Um, when Riff Raff is giving the fuck you speech to Frankenfurter. Right. And it's like very tense and dramatic. Then Columbia, who's behind them working the spotlight, screams. And so Riff Raff turns around and shoots her dead. That's right. Okay. And then say goodbye to all of this. To all of. To oblivion. <laughs> like, that's a very good Alan Rickman. Uh, <laughs> so, kills Frankenfurter, kills Rocky. Alan Rickman would have made a wonderful Riff Raff, by <laughs> the way. Tall. He is too tall. That's true. Um, Brad, Jane, and Dr. Scott get out of a dodge. Right. And then they basically just do the poochie ending from Simpsons, where the castle just goes... Right. And just flies off screen. Yeah. Like, ah, whatever. They went home. There you go. Goodbye. That's it. Yeah. So, when as soon as you start taking the songs out, you're like, what the fuck are we even talking about right now? Right. Like, what is this? What are we even discussing? Um, So, if those songs weren't absolute bangers... I don't think you've got a cult following here. Right. Um, because the story itself is not enough to really hang on to. Right. Um, that beginning part, super strong. Oh, have, yeah. Like, in both gimmicks, like crowd gimmicks and, you know, uh, interactivity and all that. There's just like boom, 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 moment after moment after moment. Yeah. And then once you get that, that pool song in, then it's just kind of like... Which is funny because the pool song is what, like... Like the funny part is the pool song, especially with like "Don't Dream It, Be It," is that's the that's the flagpole for right, this whole the, the whole thing. Exactly. That's what this is what we've been building up to this whole time. That's what's on T-shirts and but stuff. If you but, ask somebody, "Hey, what's your favorite song from Rocky Horror?" If somebody tells you "Don't Dream It, Be It," then you'd be like, "Do you need help? Do you need help?" What right. are you talking about? It's time we'll bring show, the fuck out. Show me on the doll where where <laughs> Rocky Horror hurts you. Show me on the teddy where the switchblade is. Right. What are we talking about? <laughs> So as a film, not so much. Yeah, no. But it also was one of those things. I think we talked about it last episode. 
um, the Loretta Lynn uh, line. Yeah. Of, you know, in show business, the only way you're going to succeed is if you're first, if you're talented, or if you're different. Right. Rocky Horror was first. Yeah. It was the first sort of, like, punk rock kind of stage play. Yeah. That was doing its own thing and pushing against gender norms and pushing against societal norms. And and I don't know. I don't know what the, the, the like... I guess Don't Dream It Be It is kind of the, like, if you were going to try to tie down, like, a what is the message of this. Yeah. Okay, yeah. People can get behind that. Yeah. Um, and then I think, like you said, as soon as we start getting crowd interaction in, and it becomes very counterculture, because it flopped. The movie flopped. Oh, yeah, the movie was, like... Thumbs down across the board, but it became that cultural... They start showing it at midnight screenings. It starts getting a fan base. It starts getting underground. Next thing you know, it's over. And now it's so big. Now it's like, you know, I'm sure there are young people who fall in love with this play and this musical that if you told them, like, by the way, did you know the movie shit the bed when it first came yeah, out? Yeah, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. You. No, of course not. Oh, no, that had to be a hit. No, it sure shit wasn't. So. so talk a little bit about you being in Rocky Horror. Because you've talked about it before. A little bit, yeah. Go into, the, into more of the details of it and why that changed your mind. Um, because there, there is some, well, here's the thing. And here's the funny part. So we did the show, um, in the DC or in Washington, DC, um, in the theater we used to work with. So here's the idea. Our show gets done. And then about a month later, there was another theater company in, uh, Virginia, Northern Virginia that also had the rights to it. But uh, our shows were like a month apart, uh, but ours was first. Uh, so, but I guess by the way the rights were set up, they were far enough away that they were willing to give both companies rights. Because a lot of times they won't give rights if people are that close together because then it's just like you're, it's bumping on each other's territory. Exactly. Um, The the, the territories are here for a reason. But for us, like when we did the show, when Landless did it, it was like, hey, this is going to be like, you know, it's a midnight showing. Cause then we did it at like 10 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is a 10 o'clock at night show in the middle of DC in the bar district of DC. It's a same area called Adams Morgan. We're going to run this like it's like, it's Rocky horror picture show. Like right. the audience can interact. The audience can say what they want, which is actually really funny because at one point, like our Frankenfurter, um, completely botched a line during a show and an audience member, not surprisingly called them, called them out on it. Hey, you're, it's actually supposed to be the blah, blah, blah. I think it had something to do with like the sonic transducer or something like that. But he said the wrong thing. And our, our Frankenfurter who was without the heels, like this six foot five black gentleman that we had cast and bald. He was wonderful though. Absolutely perfect for the part. Um, Stops just like mid what they were saying because he heard what that person said and took a couple steps, now standing at, like, close to seven feet tall because of the, the yes. freaking heels and the... And goes, do I look like fucking Tim Curry to you? Does this look like the fucking movie, bitch? So, so then I'll say, whatever the fuck I want, and went back to what they were doing, and the place lost it because they were hysterical. Way to, but, way to fucking capitalize. Right. But, way to so, capitalize. but the other cast... So I went and saw the other cast. Good man. That's petty. I, I love it. No, well, I wanted to see what they did. I wanted to compare. But so but I go in there and I go, but like, so, because my director was like, no, talk back. If they say something and you get something funny, throw it back on them. The other cast wouldn't let the, the other director wouldn't let the cast talk back. 
Not at all. Wouldn't let them do it. Now, they didn't care about if the audience did the lines. But the funny part is I was in this surprising audience where I had a bunch of people who didn't they were going to see like they were going to see a play. They were going to see a musical. Oh boy. They weren't going to see. So the second funniest character of the show ended up being my fat ass because I'm sitting out there doing all the lines because I've just been getting hit with them for like the last four weeks of, you know, two shows each. I've just done eight shows of, of Rocky Horror. Oh boy. And I've heard every audience reaction they could come up with. And so, right. So I threw them at, I threw them at these guys and they like the whole cast came out and thanked me afterwards because like that would help out so much. And that was right for playing along because the rest of the audience was like, Oh, hold it. Well, somebody in the audience is talking and they just, they didn't get, but they, after a while they were getting into it because like, no, oh, okay, that's funny stuff that they're coming up with. They must have thought I was part of the, I was just a part of the cast. Or I was, yeah, or he's an absolute genius or part of the cast or a plant, right. I was stunt granny in the audience here. So we've done our wrestling shows before. Right. You've already wrestled, go put on street clothes, go start cheering. Yeah, exactly. But um, I love, but I love it because, yeah, it's, again, it's that um, communal aspect that, that is Rocky Horror. Um, and you know what I was thinking about? I had seen a, uh, a video, and it might have been on TikTok or something once, where it was like they were talking about Waffle House. And the way they describe Waffle House here is exactly how I describe Waffle is kind of Rocky Horror. It's like, well, oh man, you got to go try Waffle House. Well, is the food good? No, no, not really. Well, it's, it's, at least it's like clean and everything. No, no, not really, man. It's like, well, the, the staff is nice, right? No, no, they hate you. They're not, they don't even care. It's like, well, why would, why would you go there then? Man, it's just something you got to try. Rocky Horror is the same thing. It's like, the show good? Uh, I mean, not really. Like, the movie's not great. not great. Right, narratively, it's not great. Like, like, oh, okay, well, is the acting good? Well, some of it is, but, like, some of it's very campy, and there's, like... There's pauses in the in the movie, which is why there's so much you know, spots for the audience to yell. There's pauses in the movie that you can drive a fucking truck through, right. um, and that's it's like, well, why would you go see it then, man? You just got you just got to be there and experience it. Once you've experienced it, then it's like, oh, I get it. And you know, and don't get me wrong, I'm sure there are people that will go to a live, you know, like a shadow cast or something like yeah. that, and go or go to see it in on a, in a theater show and go, I still don't get it, and that's perfectly fine. You you have that right to not get it, but. If you're nerds like us, like this is, this is it. This is a lot of fun. And one so. of the things, not to get too psychological about it, but I feel like part of the lasting power of Rocky Horror, again, other than the music, which is very good, is. Did you ever watch the original Hellraiser? Oh Hardy? yes, okay. definitely. So it's one of the only. I've, I think I've talked about this before. It's one of the only Clive Barker movie that I like. I've so many of his movies. Really? And none of them ever land for me. Like, they're all, I'm just always like, oh, come on. Like, I've tried a bunch of them. I've tried Nightbreed. I've tried every Hellraiser sequel, which obviously he's not involved with all of them. Right. But, like, uh, Nightbreed and Lord of Illusions and Candyman's okay. Candyman's right. good. But again, he was just writing that. He wasn't, like, super, like, I wouldn't give him 100% credit for that. Wasn't he Serpent in the Rainbow, too? Was that him as well? Mm, Wes Craven, I think. That West Craven, okay. But anyways, Hellraiser is the one that sticks with me. I'm like, right. And when you look at the costuming of the Cenobite, the demons in that movie, and it's leather and it's very BDSM and and that sort of thing, that was Clive Barker sort of like, not working stuff out, but like putting on display these things that were 
within him and with other people, like communities of people. Like right. Looking for that outlet. And I think, especially in theater, you've got a lot of that as well. Oh, definitely. Um, not saying that every person involved in theater wants to, like, you know, wear fishnets or whatever, but, like... They should, at least once. But the, let me ask you this, because obviously we went to school in, in very different times. Right. Was there... I, I'm so curious if there were still, like, the awkward theater mainstays that are, like, stereotypical. Like, were there, like, um, like, uh, like, I don't know what they would be called, but, like, massage conga lines... Is that a word thing? Yes. Okay, and like breaking out the song, and like these cringy things that you're just like. Oh yeah, no, no, no. That's oh, like. Should be ashamed. Like, right. Kind of thing. Or like the people at you know like Denny's at you know oh, at ten God. o'clock at ten yeah, o'clock like, eleven o'clock at night. Two big tables just absolutely hating all of you because it's a bunch of theater nerds that are still yeah. still singing the songs they just sang a little while ago. Half stage makeup. Yeah. So or uh, the cast party where you go to the cast party and then immediately for for me it was popping the D, the VCR tape of oh, the show right. that we just yes. recorded we just did it right. but let's all sit down and watch it again and then oh, you did so great. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah hundred so, percent that so the learned here theater has literally been the same since the dawn of time yeah absolutely um, I'm sure there was a massage conga line for Shakespeare and all that nonsense. I am sure of it um, but there is a certain amount of repressed sexuality in like oh yeah young theater oh god yeah high school or even like you know community theater stuff like that especially as a young person right there is that sort of like it's like um, working at a restaurant right you know when you're like hostess and waitstaff and all that stuff and everyone's like in their early 20s and everyone's like whatever man it's a a sexy thing there's like a sexy aura to it so I think with theater, there's that as well. There's a lot of like boners being popped. You know what the funny part is, though? Is the, with theater kids, though, like if theater kids weren't so awkward off stage, like uh, on stage, like every theater kid can turn it on and do yeah. like I've done just the craziest things on stage. But off stage, like Very you, you get can be a little yeah. Of yes. course, I am definitely yes. shy and awkward. But no, there's it, like especially like in high school time frame, like. If these ki- if these kids weren't so awkward, it would be an orgy every night. It would a hundred percent be a fucking orgy every night. But nobody, everybody is so goddamn awkward that nobody will actually nobody, start. Nobody can seal the deal. Right. Nobody will actually start the orgy. It's just one person has to get undressed first, and they just won't. They won't do. Nobody will do it. They'll all get naked around each other backstage. But when no when it there. when it's important to actually do it, and like, hey, no, you're, you're we right. can all get laid from this, and nobody fucking does. Nobody That's of the confidence they had on stage right. for just like 15 minutes after. Fucking orgy. Promise it, you. It, it would be orgy stage left. Yeah. Instead, it's just like extended hugs. And yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe the leads make out a little bit. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, no, the leads probably dated almost every show I yeah, did in high school. So, But uh, but anyway, so my point is... <laughs> Andrew, I'm, Andrew I'm looking at you. <laughs> yes, I did call you out on the podcast. Um, is there is a, a repressed sexual nature. Yeah especially younger in, in younger theater. Um, I'm sure Angela Lansbury was, you know, slinging puss left and right. I, you know, in her God rest years. her, God rest her soul. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, to a real one. Um, she was definitely showing off Mrs. Lovett's meat pies all over the place. What is up? <laughs> what a way to send her off. Anyways. Oh, that's um, good. <laughs> um, nevertheless. So I think Rocky Horror really taps into that on a real 
like subconscious level. And I believe Richard O'Brien, who wrote the music in the play, mm-hmm. talks a lot about how he was working up, like basically Frankenfurter was him. He was right. working out that that aspect of his life through writing it out. So yeah. why wouldn't? Yeah, why wouldn't he? Yeah, his so. wants and sexuality, yeah, and all that. Like, yeah, absolutely. So I think that's what really resonates most with people, is it's like, yes, it's a communal thing. Yes, it's like a fun sort of like, it's like a, it's like you're going to Vegas for a show. Right. This is fun. But I also think it speaks to that deeper thing of like shy, awkward people who are like looking yeah. for this opportunity to explore something that they mm-hmm. want to and don't have the confidence to on a day-to-day basis. Um, so I'll kind of come around a little bit more to Rocky Horror than originally. Now, just so that everyone listening that doesn't, that doesn't, um, you mentioned you did play Dr. Scott. I did. Um, what was your favorite part of playing Dr. Scott? Because it sounds like the um, production was a hell of a lot more fun than what they were doing in Virginia. Yeah, um, my favorite parts of Dr. Scott. Um, Did they make you blow through the wall like the Kool-Aid man? Uh, no, because we were in a black box theater. There was no good way to do it. I kind of, um, the funny part was my, <laughs> my theater um, had, like it's so for those of you who don't know what a black box theater is, it's legitimately just, a room painted black like a with with yeah with seats with seats in it and thankfully it had like the slightly elevated theater Steve, seats Steve. in there but it, i mean the place i worked at you know we did shows that fit 75 people tops like mm-hmm. it wasn't a huge theater but the um there were an, an entrance on stage left an entrance on stage right and then there was a door that the audience got into in the back of the theater that's where they came in and legitimately you had to go up to get into this theater for the most part, you had to go up a flight of steps oh into the lobby area, which was also like an, an art exhibit. They had art exhibits there constantly. And then you would come outside, then down another set of steps and into the theater because apparently the the building used to be a home and the theater was actually the like carriage house for this townhouse home that now was just made into building, that was made into like this theater and made it like in the downstairs area where um, like one was like a, uh, you know, a seven 11 type place. And the other one constantly like had stuff coming in and out of it. It never stayed open for long for anything. It was like a head shop at one point or something like that. It was, Oh, it was odd as hell, but God bless downtown DC. Um, <laughs> but like my entrance for that one actually. And if you had stopped and if anybody had stopped and thought about it, I'm playing Dr. Scott in a wheelchair and I'm coming in through that entrance that the audience all walked in the doors for. So in theory, Dr. Scott had to go up two flights of stairs to get into the, to get in there, but I would come busting in through that. Um, so yeah, no, no cool. It doesn't necessarily. I mean, I guess it was kind of Kool Aid manish, but um, probably favorite favorite parts. Like I said, I love Eddie's Teddy. Uh, I love doing that song. Uh, I love putting on my horrible German accent. Like it was straight out of Hogan's Heroes. I mean, it was not not a good accent at all. But like, um, no, and and like, I especially would like really German it up at some points. It's like you know. Like when he would have to, you know, you know, you know, before we all snap. And it was like, you know, very like, Good. you know, very that. Um, very and nice. I, um, I think I've told this story on the show before, but we've had one guy who came to legitimately every show, like eight shows. And he showed up to all of them. The problem is by show six, he was going from just the typical Rocky Horror like call outs to starting to make personal attacks. Like he was starting to like take cheap shots at some of the cast. And 
No. And my the magenta and riffraff we had were starting to get real upset by it. And they're like, well, we just got to not let him come to shows anymore. And I said, no, no, no. I have it. Don't worry. I'll take care of it. So now, mind you, for those of you that haven't, if, you know, haven't seen me, I'm not tiny. Um, and I wasn't tiny then either. I mean, I was probably smaller than I am now, but still, like, I was probably 300 pounds easy still then. Spoiler alert, gorilla press slammed this uh, No, I was even funnier. I uh, So I rolled up to him at the beginning of Eddie's Teddy because he threw out the... Uh, now, this one I've heard called out before. It's like, I know a great deal about the many things. And he goes, well, what about walking? Which is a line I've heard before, and yeah, I'm okay. like, okay. So I rolled... Well, and and in, the, in the context of the play, Dr. Scott is a square. Right. He's a parade ringer. So, so, like, yeah, you can kind of be a so I, um, but we get into the beginning of Eddie's Teddy and I roll my chair up to him because he's starting to get mean again. And I lifted myself out of the chair. Like I, you know, right. and I like you were legitimately, and I legitimately like plopped myself. And I mean, like I landed like earthquake would have been proud at how I landed in this guy's lap and did the entirety of Eddie's Teddy from this guy's lap, making sure that I'm like squeezing back on him right, a little yeah. bit. Well, then at the end of the song, some on yeah, at and the end of the song, the I, I don't think I did, but I should have. Uh, but then at the end of the song, the entire rest of the cast then came up and sat on my lap. So now I legitimately have the entire cast of Rocky Horror sitting on this guy's lap with me being the fulcrum point yes. here. So we get done. Everybody gets off me. I lift myself off of him. I get myself back in my chair and I look at him. I went, are you done? And he went, yeah, I am. I went, that's what I thought. And I went back to doing the show. And he never, and he never, he came to the rest of the shows. He loved it, but he never got real personal with it again because he knew, like, hey, and, and we're. That is absolutely something that we see in wrestling. Yeah. That there are people who understand the importance of an interactive crowd. Yeah. And then there are some that buy into the hype or whatever, or the spirit takes over, and then they think they are the show. Now. Yeah. And that causes issues. And so, uh, great way to, to, to hand out some yeah. theatrical justice. Exactly. Yeah, that one. So, so briefly, I, I want to talk about uh, shock treatment. Okay. So, in sorting out this VHS tape business, um, you know, you may wonder, well, why the hell would you look into all this stuff if you're just, like, ripping the footage illegally? Right. It's because when it came time to make the cover for it, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to right. do here. So I'm looking up <coughs> information and all that stuff to try to like find something interesting to put in the back. And so I found out that after the success of Rocky Horror mm-hmm. became a thing, uh, eventually, like we said, it was a bomb initially, but eventually caught fire. Uh, the pressure was on for Richard O'Brien to come up with a sequel. Right. He wrote a couple of drafts. That were Icky Patooey no good. Right. Uh, one was somehow Rocky and Frankenfurter come back from the dead. Okay, sure. And now we just tell more of the story. Right. Uh, there was another one where... Oh, no, no. So that was... They come back from the dead. Janet's pregnant and doesn't know whose baby it is. Right. Between Brad, Rocky, and Frankenfurter. And Brad has died off camera before the, the, the sequel begins because uh, he fell to his death because he became a uh, Las Vegas uh, like 
basically nude circus performer. Of so course. He, he, As one would do in, after he that. He a bow tie and that was it. Um, uh, that was option one. Right. Well. Option two was picking up from Riff Raff and Magenta. So they go back to Transylvania, right. Transsexual Transylvania, where Frankenfurter's mother, who's the queen, is furious and is trying to seek her revenge. Okay. Rath and Magenta. Also, Icky Patui did not go over well. That one I'm kind of interested in seeing, though. It would have been interesting. So eventually, so in that process of drafting those two, both ideas are shit-canned. But Richard O'Brien, who I fucking respect for this, was like, okay, but I already wrote a couple songs for this, and they're pretty fucking good. Right. So we're doing something with this. Yeah. Even if it's not that, we're doing something. So they come up with Shock Treatment, which is basically, oh, well, Rocky Horror, for the purposes of this, was a spoof and somewhat parodying classic B-movie. Right. And the like, hence the whole theme song. So what if we spoof television? So Shock Treatment is supposed to be sort of a satire on t- about television and about television culture. It was done, I believe, let me check before I make a fool of myself here. It was um, Chicago. That's not how it's spelled. Shock Treatment. It was released in 81. Okay. Now, Rocky Horror is in 75. Right. So, obviously a few years pass, whatever, whatever. They come up with this concept, and they're like, it's too off the beaten path, and we can't get enough people to come back to really make this a sequel. So, it's just going to kind of be like another idea. Right. Because Brad and Janet are still in it. They are still our main characters in Shock Treatment. But they are played by totally different actors. Right. And there is no one else, in gimmick-wise, from the first movie. Right. Now, there are returning actors. Richard O'Brien, the woman from right. Magenta, the woman, little Nell. There's a bunch of them that come back. Um, but they're all minor characters. Tim right. Curry doesn't come back. Um, Susan Sarandon doesn't come back. Well, and Tim Curry and Susan Sarandon, by that point, I think their careers have both kind of skyrocketed at that point. So well, specifically with Susan Sarandon. Right. Susan Sarandon was like, I'll come back, but here's the new amount of money. Yeah. Like, we can't do that. Right. I couldn't have a great life. Right. Tim Curry was maybe, he wasn't super, to your point of like, he's kind of taking off at this point. He's not super interested in playing Frankenfurter again. Right. And Richard O'Brien's like, okay, well, you can play the bad guy in Shock Treatment, but he's an American capitalist. Right. And Tim Curry's like, I'm not confident that I can keep an American accent. While singing. Right. So he he turns it down. So watching Shock Treatment, it is a mess. It is very convoluted. There's a lot. It, it, it suffers from a lot of the same things as Rocky Horror when you look at it narratively. Right. Like, there's some songs that are pretty good. There's some bangers on that soundtrack as well. But all in all, the story just sort of meanders. It doesn't really go anywhere. It's just kind of like, mm-hmm. Is this satire? Is this a thing? Right. Making a point? Um, and then just sort of wraps itself up. Like, it's very kind of similar to, like, Riff Raff and Machina show up, and then they go back to home. Right. And set. Same thing. It's just like, oh, the Brad and Janet are, are trapped now. Oh, no. And then they're just like, oh, no, wait, no, they're not. They, they're in the car <laughs> they're okay. Right, they're fine. Um, 
So it does even worse than Rocky Horror. Right. It completely shits the bed. Um, and so in looking this over, there are a couple of songs that, that are decent, uh, like I said. But in looking at the information, I see Roger Ebert's review of Shot right. Treatment at the time. And he's not thrilled about it. He takes pretty big shit on it. Well, of course. But the one thing that he said that I was like, that like blew my mind, was he was like, People who like cult films, your your target audience for that kind of thing doesn't want to be patronized. Right. Like, you can't make a cult film for a cult audience. Right. You make a film, and then if enough people feel like it's counterculture and that it's actually brilliant right and that normal people have missed the boat on it that's how you make a cult movie right you don't go in thinking you're making a cult movie because then it's phony yeah you go in thinking you're making a masterpiece you're making and, art right and then whoopsie daisy into the room yeah yeah that's exactly that works and shock treatment was not done in that way shock right. treatment was done under the pressure of this fucking better be the next Rocky Horror. Who's gonna right. Problems. And so it super falls flat. Now, allegedly, there is a stage production that is now finally happening. Like, someone's converting I, it onto a stage production. I will have to double check, but I th- think my theater company back in D.C. may have done may have done that as a show. I'll have to confirm. But. So that, it might come back around again. Yeah. Like, who knows? But um, seeing shock treatment really kind of put Rocky Horror in a different context for me. Right. Now, I will say, I have never seen Rocky Horror in a community theater setting. Like, community slash theater setting. Right. Like, I've never seen it with other people. I've never seen it with the toast and the screen and all that. You've never done a midnight? Never, ever, ever. Okay. Now, okay. Pause real quick here. Now, this, I swear to Christ, as God is my friggin' witness, we are finding one. I know, I swear to God, you and me, are, I, I want you to go, because I've been to a couple midnight showings, right. and they're absolutely wonderful. Right. Tell Luna she has to come out of the house. Yes, right. it's late, I realize, right. but still, completely worth it. We're finding one, and we're, we're, I swear to God, we'll, we're going. We'll go on a field trip. That's and fine. we'll record some of this. We'll throw it up on TikTok. It'll be hysterical. Yeah. But, yeah, no, we have, to go, we have to go to one, because it's absolutely wonderful. And they used to do a shadow cast at Universal. Halloween Did they really? Okay. So the stage, which this is so brilliant, like you go, Shadowcast, really? The stage that they had for the Beetlejuice stage show? Yeah. That's what they would use. That makes Rocky Horror That makes sense. So you have screens that's playing the real movie, but you've got a lab. You've got right. a full set. So they used to do that every year for Halloween Horror Nights. Well, when shitty Fast and the Furious ride came to town, they tore down the Beetlejuice right. stage, so now there's no longer Rocky Horror. Right. And again, never saw that when it was a thing. Why? Unresolved trauma. From right. Exactly. Story. So I've always been like averse from, from venturing out and seeing Rocky Horror no. person. Well, Zach, let me, let me kind of end this episode with this. Did you know that there was what – would, what do you think it would look like if Rocky Horror and Night of the Living Dead got together, loved each other very much, and had a baby? That would sound interesting. I almost did a production of Night of the Living Dead. Did you? <laughs> so, uh, so George Romero, your your pop pop, yeah. um, actually was part of a show. Uh, it was actually not meant to be a show. It was meant to be a movie mm-hmm. 
uh, called Diamond Dead, which was about a band, a rock band, that died in a horrible speaker accident. And their, and their manager brought them back from the dead using, you know, witch powers or what have you ever. And because they were now an undead band out there touring, they became the most popular band in the world. And this was, ori- this was originally supposed to be a movie with George Romero, I believe, directing, and I believe having some writing, but uh, there's a gentleman named Richard Hartley who did the incidental music for Rocky Horror, um, was the one helping write the music for it. Um, well, they decided to try to put everything up online to help everybody. Like, hey, we're going to let you follow the movie from, you know, here's the, the kind of the script all the way to the final movie. And supposedly for a little while, like Johnny Depp was involved and things like that in it. But it ended up in like, you know, typical movie production, production hell. hell and never made it anywhere. Well, one of the folks that was part of my theater company back home in Maryland was following it and they put the whole script up online. So we reached out and said, Hey, we know this is possibly going to be a movie at some point, but what a great way to figure out how it might look. If you let a theater company go ahead and put it up as a, as a show, as a musical with a live band on stage and do it that way. What do you think? And they actually said, yes. Um, Now we did not get to meet George Romero, sadly, uh, but he did sign off on it. But Richard Hartley uh, again, who wrote the who wrote some of the music for Rocky Horror, definitely was out for a bunch of our rehearsals and stuff, and came out and came out for it. Um, and we've done the show a few times, including uh, uh, DC Fringe. We did New York Fringe once with it. Uh, so yeah, we actually, if you look it up, Diamond Dead, we actually did a bunch bunch of stuff with it for a while. But it was a very it was a very cool show with some very interesting kind of Rocky Horrorish music. Um, you can tell there, there's a song at the end called Don't Let Your Dreams Die, which is very, you can see the taking, you know, the, the borrowing from Don't Dream It, Be It. But um, we made it a whole thing. And the main bad guy was a, you know, religious zealot like TV preacher uh, who may have been played by somebody sitting in this room right now. Uh, so I got to be the main bad guy of that one. Um, but who obviously is trying to get them shut down because right. they're of the devil, they're but, but meanwhile is also visiting, you know, like, uh, dominatrixes and stuff okay. like that as a show. So, um, I end up in my underwear at one point getting be actually, that's one of my favorite stories of that show is, um, I'm doing the, the, one of the scenes where the dominatrix is actually like hitting me. So the, the, um, we had one actress who was playing it, but we had to have a, a, sta- a stand in, um, for one of the other, uh, because she couldn't be there for whatever reason. Yeah, and that, yeah. yeah, so the understudy is, is playing the character, and um, the normal person who would play it would hit me along the back. She had, like, a riding crop. She would right. hit me on the back. You know, it hurts, but it's not, like, the end of the world. Um, the understudy, who's still a very good friend of mine, by the way, um, was worried that hitting me on the back was going to hurt me. Um, so she started hitting me on my feet because she thought that would be better. And I had to legitimately in the show go, mistress, please stop hitting me in the feet because that's like very sensitive and hurts like hell. Um, yeah. But well, and I'm on my knees. So she's hitting like the flat part of my feet. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's like prison torture. Yeah, pretty much. So I was being prison tortured on stage. It wasn't pretty. That, that but, violates the Geneva Convention, yeah, I'm pretty sure. But absolutely, but absolutely wonderful show. Um, I wish I could find an excuse to do it again or get the... But yeah, 
But yeah, George Romero was involved with it, and it was like yeah, it was basically a zombie band with the with somebody who was involved with Rocky with Rocky Horror, and uh, it was a. Uh, we had some of the producers come out and stuff too, and they were they were like full on in with us for uh, for quite a while as we ran the show, and then when the movie just kind of fell apart, they're like, yeah, if you want to do it other times, go ahead, and they let us they let us go ahead and do it. So yeah. So, but we had a whole the whole band on stage, and I'll have to show you pictures later. That's but amazing. it's a wonderful, wonderful That's show. Amazing. So, I had no idea that so, but yeah, so well, I got to meet sorry. I got to meet somebody from uh, from Rocky Horror, even though we did like the incidental music. Well, so, still, still but well, so. well, Chad, uh, get your shit in here, man. Uh, we, we've worked. I've worked through some trauma. We've yeah, shared some stories and. Uh, yeah, so tell for us, us uh, at IndieCast on pretty much all your social media, Facebook, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at uh, I-N-D-Y-K-A-S-T. Uh, but if you want to find me on that clock app, at IndieCast Maximus, uh, because I still need to figure out if Luna grabbed IndieCast and forgot the password. So I'm going to check that one out later, because if I can log in under IndieCast, I'm completely grabbing it. Um, but uh, look for us on there. Buy our merch at uh, www.fullygimmick.com. Uh, please subscribe on whatever you're listening to us if you haven't already, uh, because we'd like you to come back next week when we talk about something. Uh, who knows what we might yeah. talk about next week? This is the most cohesive we've ever done from one episode. Right. Of the next, this so. is true. And uh, Zach, anything interesting going on? Fully gimmicked, or uh, you guys? Well, you guys have legitimately. As this is going up within about two days, you guys have a uh, have a con you're working. So we'll be in Orlando for Spooky Empire uh, with She Wolf Media and Brainbuster Video. Uh, we'll be slinging uh, art that Luna has made and VHS tapes. I've been spending the last two months making, so including a VHS of Rocky Horror and Shot Tree. There you go. So, there you go. And in uh, uh, wonderful uh, red and black uh, clamshells. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, how are you finding these? These the the well, finding went out of the window a long time ago. I'm straight up painting these. Good. Okay. Now. Yeah, it's it's getting weird. Uh, the Adams Family one, the double feature for Adams Family on tape, will be purple and gray. Amazing. Very Undertaker early era. Yeah, it is. Of, uh, but anyway, so we'll be there. Uh, we're booth number six fifty one. So if you're at Spooky Empire in Orlando, come say hi. Um, we're gonna have a lot of weird gimmicks and stuff. We, the money doesn't matter. The merchandise, the money does matter. But the money doesn't matter in this case. The merchandise movement doesn't matter. The amount of tapes or VCRs or whatever doesn't matter. What matters is us vending at a convention cannot be considered a success unless every other vendor around us hates my fucking guts. <laughs> if that's the case, then that is a success because I am Billy Mays. For three fucking days, and so if you want to see that, come to Spooky Empire this weekend. You know what I'm uh, I'm hoping for because uh, the last convention you worked, um, I forget which one it was. It might have uh, been another Spooky Spookella, Empire. Spookella. Um, I do believe they you had, if I remember correctly, and I think we told the story on air. I hope we did. You had tapes for that you had made for um, what we do in the shadows, yes. and, and one of the actors yes. came up and actually signed yeah, one for yeah. you. Yes. Um, so I do know that at least one of the movies you have there, two of the movies you'll have there, there's going to be multiple actors for those parts. Now, I don't know if th- those actors are pretty big names, so I don't know if they're going to get a chance to just they, go they trolling around. Yeah, but if they do a lap, you need to, especially if you can get the Christina Ricci's autograph on the, uh, on the Adams Family tape, well, that would be is, amazing. So this is why he's a, he's a great co-host. So that is precisely the plan. Okay. So we're doing the Adams Family double feature because Christina Ricci and the actor who played Lurch... 
are both going to be there. Oh, I didn't know Lurch was going to be there, too. And Once I heard Christina Ricci, I, I stopped yeah, listening. It was, like, it was just white noise. Um, so that's number one. And then, obviously, Magenta and Columbia right. are going to be there. So that's Rocky Horror. That's number two. And I believe you have Fire Walk with me, don't you? You also have Fire Walk with me, and, like, two-thirds of the goddamn cast from Twin Peaks are going to be there. Because actually, I knew I knew Kyle McLaughlin was going to be there, and I would and take my advice if I can get out there somehow, I will find a way to buy Kyle McLaughlin, you know, to get a picture with him because that would just I love Kyle Twin McLaughlin, Peaks. It's, um, I think Sherilyn Fenn was supposed to be there too, isn't yeah, she? And uh, Laura Palmer and her dad, Lurch <sighs> as well, Lurch because he was the tall man in the right room. So Lurch, is Laura Palmer's there. dad's going to be there too. Yes, they're like a combo deal. Like you can get that, both of them. That's amazing. Um, there's a couple of the girls from the third season who like follow around the gangster guy. There's a shitload yeah. of people. Okay. Uh, this whole thing blanked out. They got the, the computer got bored. <laughs> anyway, so that's the absolute goal. Is like if any of those people are walking around, or uh, our our friends uh, Jess and James from Team Rocket are going to be there with us as well, and she's going to be getting autographs at the Wazoo. So right. If she can make that happen, that uh, I absolutely want a like wall of our tapes signed absolutely somebody involved with them because i feel like that's legal consent at that point that right you can't send me a cease and desist yeah no takesies no takesies backsies we have an autograph here <laughs> the legal precedence of no takesies backsies right. so um so anyway come to spooky empire in orlando it's going to be bananas and we're in booth 651 so there you go hi and uh and, and come look at very ridiculous vhs tapes go for it uh, Should found be blessed. a copy of Reefer Madness. Amazing. Yeah, it's a foundlings. A lot of weird shit. Anyways. I love the foundlings ones, too. So. <laughs> That's every, everyone just wants to dig. They just want yeah. to dig through and, you know, oh, it's this. Yeah. <laughs> um, found an old copy of uh, Doctor Who as well. There's an episode, I think, of, like, the second Doctor. Really? Not selling that. Anyway. Yeah, don't blame uh, you. So, um... Let's, let's land this plane. Yeah. So until next time, everybody, uh, thank you for uh, listening to the IndieCast. Uh, until next time, I am, as always, Coculus Maximus. I am the American Queen. <laughs> the American Queen, Busty Lowe's. There you go. You, you, pop, you popped yourself on that one there. I love it. Uh, until next time, everybody, we always, always say deuces. Whoop. Hercules Mulligan! A jump scare is the Canadian destroyer of horror films. Pardon me. Might I suck my own dick for a second? I'm ready to greet the day, you fucker. <laughs> Every single one of you guys has made a horrible decision. <laughs> it's that dirty-ass Meryl Street. We are. We're touching wieners. Not touching wieners good. professionally. Ric Flair said fuck a six-pack, and he never lost an ounce of pussy. What I am is a big, queer, stone-cold Steve Austin. Love dick. Birds don't give a fuck about your life.